0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with
1: Viator. Michael Kist. You caught me not listening again? Benjamin Solak. You never listen! It's the Kist and Solak Show. Presented by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. Thank you. You are flying high on the Kist and Solak Show. This is episode 112, brought to you by the fine folk at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist. You can follow me on Twitter at Michael NFL. that's K-I-S-T. As always, joined by the best doggone co-host in the game, Mr. Nine-Year-Streak Without a Bad Day. He is Benjamin Solak. Follow him on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. You really didn't want to say hello there?
0: Hello. Well, I was was just bothering (laughs) BLG on Slack, uh, and so (laughs) I was a little late, but I was going to come with it.
1: Ben? How you doing, brother?
0: Listen, <laughs> finally something's happening in the preseason. Yeah. For, like something interesting is happening, which start the clock. Nine minutes and 45 seconds, as promised. I tweeted out before the game this uh, this evening. Uh, it's Thursday night recording the post-game podcast. Not actually the post-game you, podcast.
1: You won't even let me lead you no, into it. No.
0: Absolutely not. <laughs> this had... is my, my shining moment. You want to lead me it. in? Go ahead. Lead me in. It's your yes. show. Whatever. Whatever. No. No.
1: Goodness. So Ben Ben tweeted, quote, McCown going to unlock preseason J-Jaw with accurate slash catchable jump balls. And I'm going to spend exactly nine minutes and 45 seconds on the post game pod talking about it, unquote. So Ben, I'm going to let you go ham on this. I just want to say that release was so pretty that yeah. route was so pretty but i don't want to steal your shine man even though i had him higher on my board shut up okay that,
0: on you You were you, the. that's such no
1: you were the one that told me about him originally let me uh, tell this quick story because we've told this before but i want to put it out there again when i asked you last summer who should i watch and it was the first prospect that i was going to watch of my draft season i went specifically to you you told me jj arstega whiteside and i was in love immediately. Ben, go for and it. The thing about good
0: football players, Mike, is you like them? They're, they're good football players. That's how <laughs> it goes. So, I say go side. It's, it's um, you know, he's had a, a couple of targets uh, from Cody Kessler, a couple of targets from Clayton Thorson over the course of the preseason thus far. Thorson and, and, and Kessler, well, honestly, both look prettier throwing the football than McCown does because McCown's got an absolute <laughs> shot put in his ripe young age of 40. That dude yeah. out there, that shoulder can't get up much higher anymore. I mean, that elbow stays low, brother. While, while they might look prettier, they don't throw with as much velocity. And so they're, they're, they're struggling to hit our single wide side. If you watch the first two games on some of his downfield route concepts, which McCown didn't even throw a huge number of downfield concepts as of, you know, this conversation. As we were saying a little bit earlier, we're currently in the lightning delay and we are talking about. You know what we've seen thus far. We'll see what happens with the rest of the game. And if there's something that happens at the end of the fourth quarter, uh, we'll go ahead and we'll talk about that. But if you're looking at the Eagles Ravens game right now, uh, JJ Arcega-Whiteside from a receiving perspective, he's seen seven. Tar- or excuse, excuse me, seen nine targets eight receptions, 104 yards, and a touchdown. It hasn't even been that much deep stuff, but McCown's been able to really fire it in there for our segal side. And accordingly, our segal side's gotten into a better rhythm. He's made some good catches across the middle of the field, strong hands catches across the board, the typical stuff that you see from him in the first level, fourth down conversion work to the second level. And let's talk about that fourth down conversion play because it gets lost a little bit uh, in, in light of the touchdown catch. That's where our Segal-Wideside you knew he had translatable traits to the NFL because when he's coming off the line, it's not, you know, uh, he's not lightning quick. He's not lightning fluid. And so it, he doesn't, you know, clear hands immediately and he's in space and he's releasing and he's manipulating guys and he's dipping and he's dodging. He's not shifty, right? Our single wide side is a bit of a blunt force instrument. And so that corner initially gets hands on our single wide side. And our single wide side is strong enough and explosive enough to get upfield through contact, get vertical stack and then separate. And and, and this is why you, uh, you expected mccown who's been in the league for now 16 years 18 years whatever it's been you expected mccown to immediately gravitate to our single white side because Whiteside, yeah. while it's not you know uh you know in this round out this round and this quick uh, step in this release move and, and and multi-break routes and and you know all this explosiveness he's such a a, a friend of a quarterback he uh, quarterbacks love receivers like our whiteside they are no nonsense they get into their breaks they win with leverage. And they separate and they make ridiculous catches outside of their frame. And then a so single white side regularly catching balls that are behind him from Josh McCown. That's why you love him. You love a guy if you're McCown. Accuracy's not great when you're 40. First time in the system. Don't have a good feel of, of, of you know where our single white is going to be what the exact you know uh, uh, route landmarks are going to be. The timing is going to be. It's okay. Get the ball kind of near the dude. Yeah, that, that, yeah. that catch on that little bubble screen, that ball was at his ankles. Our single wide side's got absolute mitts. So that fourth down catch, we fight through contact. We're able to separate. It's not a huge amount of separation, but it's enough to create a window. And then the ball's behind him. Our single wide side's able to corral it and get upfield. He doesn't have breakaway speed, but all of a sudden it's an explosive play on fourth and three. Then you have those situations like the touchdown. The touchdown route was a flag route, beautifully executed. And if you watched our single wide side casually, couple games to get a feel for him, to talk about him, you would not have known that our single wide side can do things like that. But when you sit down and you really get deep into the film of this kid, and even like I guess if you watch his highlight reel, you also know this is available to him. But you, when you really broke him down, it was not like oh, occasionally he can do this against college defensive backs. No, this is a regular occurrence against the best players that he faced. Our single wide side. I said it, no nonsense immediately takes the corner and puts him where he wants him to be. Josh Gaddis, offensive coordinator of Michigan says, if that corner is where you want him to be, move him. If he's where you don't want him to be, keep him there. And that's what our single yep. wide side is very good at initially saying, all right, when I'm in this STEM, I eventually want to get here. So I want the corner and outside or inside leverage. And he gets in there. Just a quick initial first step. Good initial you know, jab steps we talk about. Off the line of scrimmage. Hand usage. You now get up field into the vertical stem. All of a sudden, corners in a trail technique. You give him that rocker step. A little you know a little fake to the post. Hit yeah. the corner. A little poco route, we like to call mm-hmm. it. So a little fake to the post with the rocker step. And then come, come to the back pylon. Stack to the back pylon. Our single wide side always talked about this. He wins the catch point early in the route. He wins by by being physical and generating leverage before the ball's in the air. So he's not worried about getting to where the ball's going to end up. He's first worried about making sure he's between where he wants to be and the corner. So the corner can't recover. Now, when you do that, you got to be able to make catches outside of your frame. You got to be able to explode into the catch point, make those tough hands catches, track the ball over your shoulder. That's exactly what he did on the touchdown catch. Everything you see from our whiteside in this preseason game, toughness with the ball in his hands good route running fantastic physicality through the route stem and then tremendous tremendous physicality in all aspects of the game is exactly what like it's just it's a perfect little microcosm of what you drafted at 57 overall 57 53 57 in the second round it's exactly what what it is yeah. right it's exactly what it is that you were looking for out of this player and again because mccown is a veteran quarterback we knew he could get it to him and be successful doing so mike i went for about five minutes not my promise promise nine minutes and 45 seconds but that was mostly a hypothetical figure to illustrate how excited i was for it to happen and i'm so glad that it did because it's easy in the preseason to You know, say that like where where's where's this second round pick been? Where's our seagull Whiteside been? He's just been waiting for a quarterback who can get the ball kind of near him on time.
1: If you did not believe us then when we talked about it in May, when both me and Ben were talking about J.G.R. Segal Whiteside, do you believe us now to emphasize something that Ben was saying there as far as the release goes to really emphasize that that corner has outside leverage on him? J.G.R. Segal Whiteside widens out to him to get himself inside and then beat him outside. So he beats a corner with outside leverage by getting outside of him. That's not easy. That's not rookie stuff. That's not typical. And when you hear sure. when you hear Ben talk about these different traits that, that J.J. has that you don't always just get from his highlight films, which are just filled with red zone catches and contested catches and things like that, when you really break him down, you see the nuance in his route running and, in his releases to where, like Ben said, he's not going to be this big, quick separator. Right. But all the traits that Ben was talking about and all the things that attracted J-Jaw to McCown, does that not sound like Alshon Jeffrey? So, of course, McCown is going to gravitate towards a target like J.J. Wide Side, And I, I'm just so happy that we got to see a lot of that skill set on display. Not just the jump ball 50-50, go get it, but show some nuance in your route and and get the job done and show off right. those strong hands like he did as well. Do you
0: want to get like really like legit deep into this route on like a preseason week three touchdown catch from the rookie? You wanna get deep into it?
1: I felt like we already had, but I can let's let's go.
0: He's isolated receiver on, on a trip set and he's in a nasty alignment. Right. Why is he in a nasty alignment? Because he wants to get to the outside flag. When I talk about Correct. a nasty alignment, I'm talking about a tight slot into the tackle right you're pretty much like you're in a position where you can actually crack that block let's put it that way so
1: let's let's clarify that from a nasty alignment your route tree opens up from an outside alignment from a quote-unquote plus split right. where you're where you're far outside you can't run that corner route that space is not available to you they move him to that alignment because of the nasty alignment and ben is shaking his hand do we have the is the game back on game What's is happening? called
0: brother game is called we game are done is no, thank okay. goodness good night <laughs> Um, okay. So, right. So we're in that tight alignment corners, obviously got initial outside leverage, but there's a safety capping white side. They've got, you know, the the, 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 they've got a middle of the field safety. I can't see the whole field. So I can't tell you if, if he's split or if he's actually single high, but he's shaded to our single white side's hash. Again, our single white is the only receiver in a three by one set. So, right let's say if you were
1: if you were to split it it would look like cover two zone or cover right. you know man cover two or whatever the case is he's over to that side right. jj in college very good at recognizing that safety staying away from him
0: so yeah so this is this coverage while well, he manipulates the corner is dictated by the safety because corners initially got outside leverage our wants our single white wants to go outside if he's he's afforded he's being given freely an inside release right corners on the outside if he takes that inside release He's going directly at the safety. And accordingly, yep. that corner is going to remain an outside leverage all the way down the field. Right. And then when our single wide side looks to break to the flag route, again, to the back pylon, cutting outside, the corner's already going to be in an outside spot. Our single wide side is going to need to cross his face. Now, yep. no matter what our single wide side does, that corner is going to try to maintain outside leverage because he has safety help to the inside of the middle of the field. And it's a nasty alignment. So the corners is going to say, listen, if you try to go inside, you're running into the safety. I'm sitting outside of you because this is where space is. And I know I want to keep you from getting there. So our single white side initially widens the stem. He initially steps outside and yep. then comes inside that corner, effectively resetting where this route stem is. Instead of being up to the safety, he just gained two yards of width away from the safety. What does this mean? It means while the corner's an outside leverage, in the trail technique, following his stem, when our whiteside side gives that inside fake, it's significantly more effective. Because if he were closer to the safety, the inside fake wouldn't matter as much. Because if the ball were coming out on a quick inside dig, safety's taking his head off. But now you've, yeah. you've manufactured synthetic space. You've, you've told the corner, listen, I just pushed you inside, and it looks like I'm about to— I just pushed you outside, and it looks like I'm about to come inside. That makes sense, doesn't it? I put you over there, and I'm going to cut back the other way. So by pushing him outside to start, he makes the threat of the inside fake more real, thus forcing the corner to play it, thus giving him the space he wants on the outside. And it's all dictated by the fact that he knows the corner is going to play outside leverage because the safety's in the middle of the field. So like this is why, like, like, like I said, like if you want me to go 9:45, I will. But that's everything that goes into this. Route, and this is Arcega Whiteside. Is he the quickest dude, no, but this route is exactly what it's called for in this situation. This is his third NFL game with a quarterback he's never played with.
1: When I graded Arcega Whiteside for mental processing and for a wide receiver, mental processing is seeing things pre-snap, knowing where I need to go, and then adjusting post-snap if I need to. I graded them six out of seven. And when I grade six out of seven, that seven is very – I don't give out sevens, okay? So that's a very, very high grade for mental processing. JJR Sega whiteside is a very, very smart player. And a plug to follow up on this so because we've definitely gone over 9.45 now. If you go to my timeline and also the Bleeding Green timeline, the BGN Radio timeline, you're going to see a couple of tweets. Number one is the recap show where we have a snippet of Ben talking about JJR Sega whiteside from back – When we drafted him, that was a plug from BGN Radio. I also, when I graded JJ, I wrote that up for BleedingGreenNation.com. They just retweeted that out. You can find that on their feed if you don't follow me and I don't blame you. Or you can find it on my timeline where I went through every single grade that I had pre-draft for JJ Arcega-Whiteside with an explainer, with some film examples. If you really want to dig into his game, like I said, if you didn't believe us then, do you believe us now? And if not, continue to do the research and you're going to find that we have a very good football player on our hands in Philadelphia. Ben, we haven't even talked that much about Josh McCown yet, other than his trust in JJ, but I got to tell you, it feels like the number two quarterback spot is definitely like 17 for 24, 192 and two touchdowns. Now, obviously preseason backups, all that stuff, whatnot, but McCown's been around like he's a known quantity and he came in off the plane and looked like he was in command of this offense and just, it, it has the trust in guys to go make plays and with an offense as loaded as the Eagles you don't need a whole lot more than that to be successful to get you through a stretch if you need him what do you think about McCown tonight overall
0: yeah somebody said it It was one of the beats and I'm sorry I can't remember who if somebody remembers who it was him yeah but one of the beats said listen McCown ain't coming out of retirement an ESPN job if he doesn't know QB2 is locked up right right like if it wasn't promised to him independent of his play in the preseason he wouldn't have come out his roster spot's yeah. guaranteed, and his backup spot is guaranteed. Hey, it's a shame for Cody Kessler, who obviously came out and looked just Abysmal. tremendously bad. Uh, <laughs> he's it, so w-
1: slow at reading defenses; it's offensive. And
0: it's just he's got a pop gun arm. And like again, like he's really he's like not the worst quarterback too that's ever existed. He really isn't. I still believe that this wasn't a good game of his, but he still wasn't.
1: Yeah, I mean, look at quarterbacks around the league, and yeah. that'll tell you what you need to know.
0: Right. And McCown, uh, McCown is a uh, is a better player now. Like I said, McCown throwing mechanics, boy, it ain't what it used to be. Um, and it was never good to begin with. Um, but he's he's clearly just playing playing the game. Like he's like, listen, I've done this for 19 years. I don't have to pretend to like do the right throwing motion anymore. Like go yeah. through drops, right? He's just kind of out there slinging the pill a little bit. Best placement we got on on on, on throws for white whiteside of course, but also for Greg Ward. Greg Ward had one of his better games of the past. Uh, of the preseason, four for 45 or his catches. Again, this is, we're, we're, we're it, better ability to evaluate our, our wide receivers because Clayton Thorson and Nate Seinfeld aren't the ones throwing the football. Uh, Yeah, McCown, more than enough to, and this is how you always frame it. Carson goes down for four games. Can we go two and two and keep, and stay in, in, in where we are in the playoff race? Like that's right. what you want from your backup quarterback for 2019. And McCown is, is absolutely that. The big thing that I would, I would say is that it's, you know, it's very clear that mccown does not want to run the football or get hit <laughs> and that's very fair you know i mean like he, had, he had that one little scramble right and then he yeah. like he and then he got down and you know, he slid and it was like a well-time slide, everything like that but like there was a he got hit on the uh, i think it was the alex ellis touchdown and they like zoomed in on him getting up <laughs> and he was like well, like what am i Duh. doing
1: this sucks. you know like <laughs> i
0: don't know why i'm here <laughs> I made the joke that, like, do you think he knew when he signed up that he was going to score a touchdown and, like, halfway jog off the field, take his helmet off, and Doug was like, get back out there, two-point conversion. <laughs> and McCown's like, shoot, I'm doing all for this. So, no, it's just he's going to be a pocket guy. That's totally okay. They can be all right with that. No worries.
1: You were talking about the wide receivers. I want to dial back to that here for a second. With Mac Collins back and actually doing athletic things on a football field it kind of slams the door on the wide receiver chatter for good. And we kind of thought that was going to happen anyway. If they do keep six, it seems like it's a battle between Agadosi and Greg Ward Jr., who you mentioned before. I definitely give the edge to Ward right now, who Grow has been very complimentary of throughout this process. And he's looked solid in this this preseason, the training camp. He's looked solid as he continues to transition from college quarterback to full-time wide receiver in the pros, including a tough catch on third down where he took a shot and hung on in the third quarter. And, of course, bailing out Clayton Thorson last week on the 38-yard touchdown grab. But but my opinion is if they keep six – it's Greg Ward Jr. Do you think they keep, keep six? And you agree with that as well with Ward?
0: Here's the tricky thing. It, what it comes down to is, and this is like goes back to when, you remember when PFF said the Eagles are the best receiving group in the NFL and it was like wide receivers plus tight ends? Mm-hmm. Because the Eagles are going to run a lot out of 12, more than the average team, then there's a better case to be made than the average team for keeping like four tight ends and five wide receivers instead of six wide receivers and and three tight ends, which is the more True. typical construction. So it's not, I would say, like if you if you took all the teams in the league and say who's the least likely to carry five receivers, Eagles are probably, you know, bottom two, bottom three uh, because of how infrequently they're going to deploy 10 personnel.
1: Not only that, the practice squad factor, clearing waivers, that too,
0: right? And that's 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 my big thing with. I think it's it's you know it's Lock Alshon Lock Nelly Lock Deshaun Lock arsiga White side. I think Hollins makes it unquestionably off of special teams value. They love him on special yep. teams. Um, mm-hmm. this is a guy who went healthy, like, you know, he was viewed as like a potential wide receiver three candidate,
1: but also touted very much. So for his specialty and prowess when the Eagles drafted him, right, that's, exactly. that was his deal.
0: Yeah. And so then what it is, is now you're, you're sitting here with a sixth spot. And the question you have to ask yourself isn't, has Greg Ward done enough to win a roster spot? Has Carlton Ogadasi won enough to win a roster spot? It's of these fringe guys and the fringe guys are running back and the fringe guys at corner and the fringe guys at defensive tackle, Who? Am I able to sneak onto the practice squad, right? Because like to me, Agudasi is a particular candidate for being poached. Uh, if I'm a bad team with bad receivers and that body makes it onto the waiver wire, heck yeah, brother. I'll put him on <laughs> my fifty-three. I ain't winning ball games anyway.
1: Kelvin Benjamin keeps getting to work somehow.
0: Is yeah, that right? It's, it's like, listen, like this is this is you know, it, it was like the of thing last year. Like you just you didn't want to yeah. expose him to waivers. Right. So To me, then, like, I I don't think Agudasi has earned a spot on the roster. I don't think Greg Ward, for everything that I like about Greg Ward, I'm a big Greg Ward fan. I don't think he's earned, uh, you know, an active 46 spot, a 53 man spot. But the question, the the paradigm isn't earning it. The paradigm is who do you have to protect from ending up on the waiver wire? So that's the way to think about it. I think the Eagles go into the season with five and hope to keep Ward and Agudasi both on the practice squad. And then subsequently, you carry. Zachary, it's Dallas Goddard, Josh Perkins, and Richard Rogers. I don't think Rogers needs IR. Um, but that's the you you because you uh, cause probably have to carry four tight ends because if you're not putting Rogers on IR, you have to carry three healthy ones, and you don't and you're not going to cut Rogers. You can't practice squad him anyways, too old. So that's how I think it is coming into the season. Four tight ends, five receivers.
1: And when we come back here on the Kist and Solek show, we're going to talk about some other things that we saw in this preseason game. As Ben said, the game is officially over. It has been called early in the fourth with about 11 minutes to go. The Ravens continue their winning streak. They are now at 16 consecutive wins in the preseason, which is super important, 26 to 15 over the Philadelphia Eagles, but it doesn't matter. We'll continue talking about this game when we come back here on the Kist and Solek show. And we are back here on the Kissed and Solak Show, episode 112, brought to you by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I'm Michael Kist here with Benjamin Solak talking about this preseason game. Ben, do you want to talk about the J.J. Arcega-Whiteside touchdown a little bit more, or are we good on that? I have,
0: No, I want to talk about something that's near and dear to this, <laughs> this podcast's heart.
1: Yeah, do it. Let's, let's do best it. Best
0: game I've seen L.J. Fort play in a Philadelphia Eagles jersey. I can't hey. remember Nate Gary even doing anything in this game besides getting an offsides call on a blitz or something stupid. <laughs> listen, I'm telling you two things for sure. Number one, LJ4 is a better player right now than Nate Gary. Number two, for Nate Gary's gonna be above LJ4 in the depth chart. And I can even give you a third. I'm I'm not gonna be happy about
1: it. That's crazy to me. Fort kick showing the range yet again. The guy sees it, he fires his gun, he goes to get it. And he wraps up and tackles. The guy does his job,
0: right? And, and, and Ross Tucker was was really highlighting T.J. Edwards, the UDFA out of Wisconsin, for his play at Mike. And and, and Edwards was playing well as the third string Mike. I definitely agree. Yep. But I have not mm-hmm. seen a a a good like the best backup Mike I've seen so far has been L.J. Ford, specifically Mike in the center of the defense. Read, scrape, fill, tackle. I, I think he's been highly consistent for the the, the biggest issue I have with him is that he's you know a three four yard down the field tackler he's not really great at coming up field getting underneath blocks or being you know highly like a, a block deconstructing player and then subsequently making a tackle short to the line of scrimmage but he gets to where he needs to go on time and he's regularly first contact accordingly when, you're, when he's playing into the sideline, this is where I think he, he's he's a more exciting and a better play. I think he's got a really good flow to him and he comes to balance nicely. And then in coverage, Ford's been one of the more consistent backers for the Eagles. So to me, it should be, you know, you're starting with Bradham at Mike and probably Camus at Will. When you go three backers, you're probably putting Zach Brown at Mike and then moving Bradham to Sam. And then your fourth linebacker for basically every spot is Ford. Yeah. And then five, I mean... It's like it. I don't even want. I don't want Gary. I probably don't want Edwards. I don't want Singleton. I'd like somebody else pretty much. Yeah. But what's probably going to happen is it's going to be, like I said, Bradham and Camus, and then Bradham, Brown, Camus, and then Gary's going to be four, and Ford's going to be five. I guess I would keep Gary as the five, but like I'd want, I want to get somebody else in there for God's sakes.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think Boy. you know how I feel about that whole situation there, but I think Gary right. makes the but roster. But this
0: is, it's just, it's getting, it's getting missed. And I think a slew of, you know, like, like Trace McSorley played really well and the Eagles gave up 25 points in the first half. I don't dispute that. LJ Fort, best preseason performance he's had from what I've
1: seen. As the conductor of the LJ Fort hype train before they signed him, I'm very happy with this. It's great for my brand. Hey, w- one thing that I was hyping up in the offseason that doesn't really get talked about, man, we had a Rodney McLeod sighting today. Yeah, He looked healthy. Young man was moving out there, which is going to be great for this defense because we saw what happened with the secondary. I mean, the first real big hit to happen was McLeod going down early in the season, and he was playing at a very high level. So if he can get back and get healthy, he's one of the first guys to come back. We're still waiting on Ronald Darby. We're still waiting on Jalen Mills, unfortunately. We're waiting on some guys to get back. But with Rodney McLeod back, that's great for the secondary. So that's great for our brand as well because we're big McLeod fans here. Something that's not great for your brand, how are you feeling about that over on the 85% field goal percentage for Jake Elliott?
0: Okay, firstly, nothing is ever bad for my brand. My brand is indomitable and unassailable. That's number one. Number two, yep. as I have been saying from the beginning, the Eagles have a, a kicker who can't miss from 50 plus, And they're a team that does not attempt <laughs> field goals from 50 plus, which is a problem. I mean, there's absolutely no way this isn't mental, right? It's got to be. It's gotta just be him like looking at it and be like, Man, those uprights look bigger than they should. Looks like there's too much space between those two.
1: Everybody knows it. Everybody like everybody recognizes this now. It's impossible for him not to.
0: Right. I mean, so pretty much this this preseason, I think he's three of five. And I think he's hit two for two from 50 plus and he's one for two from one for three from less than 50. I think if memory serves, I think that's it right now, which is just (laughs) patently absurd. And what it comes down to is this. And this is what I bring up all the time when it comes to kicker things like the whole Bears kicker thing that's going on, which if you haven't read Kalen Kaler's piece on Sports Illustrated, shameless plug. A great piece about the Bears just totally losing their mind over the, the kick that was tipped. It was tipped. Right. <laughs> it was tipped. How are they not? It's, it's amazing. It's um, but anyway. Such
1: a scapegoat yep. for Trubisky.
0: Right. What it is, is like, if you're going to move on from a kicker, you have to actionably prove to me that you can improve upon him. And for even what Elliott is, which is like not one of the best kickers in the league, Firstly, kicker is not as valuable a position to the Eagles as it is for other teams because they don't kick as many field goals, number one. Number two, you still can't really find like, a free agent, a guy in the market to improve on him. Like, we're like, too late for a camp battle. Curly Lloyd. Yeah, I mean, listen, I'm there. I'm there in a heartbeat. <laughs> I've been saying, listen, I've always been of the theory that, like, oh, man, I'm an old, washed soccer player who's slow. What should I do with my life? Brother. Throw on some pads and chill on the sideline for 58 minutes. <laughs> um, but either way, it's um you you like you can't, It's too late for a camp battle. So, like, all right, if Elliott's, like, shaky this year, if you want to improve on him, you know, bring in a UDFA, bring in a free agent next year, make it a camp battle, see if somebody can beat him out. But right now, Elliot's your kicker for 2019. There's no way they're moving on from him unless injury or, like, an absolute implosion in the season, which he probably won't implode in the season. Like, he's done this before where he's, like, in a couple <laughs> yeah. of missed you know a couple a bad streak and then he gets he gets hot again you know from inside 50 but it's very silly it's very silly mike we live silly lives where Jake kelly it's like yeah 58 yards let's get it oh no 36
1: (laughs) why Yeah, he's he's mentally tough, though. Like you said, he'll get over it. He doesn't get in those prolonged funks, which is good. And and speaking of special teams, man, this game had a ton of flags, sloppy stuff. It was so sloppy. There were so many flags that Eagles fans in attendance were actually booing a flag called on the Ravens, which was just fascinating. Further proof that
0: Eagles fans and Philly fans in general accurately communicate how they legitimately and authentically feel about a game. No, this is when well, the Eagles fans shouldn't that. boo. Well, they want you to stop throwing flags because they're bored, and that's okay.
1: Yeah, stop sucking. We'll stop booing. <laughs> Speaking of sucking, can we can we talk about the the two cornerbacks that we had? Josh Hawkins, Jeremiah McKinnon. It's not great. Ben, I don't think you understand how much I was longing for the days of Jay Liggins. Those two, Hawkins and McKinnon, they are straight up space cadets. S- Space cadets, what sweet happened, Christmas. What
0: happened to uh to uh Jamal Malcolm Liggins? Where yeah?
1: They they cut him. They yeah, made, they had I to thought. make room for him to make some other move. All right, right. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't know where he went. But would you would you would think by the way that these games go after the quote unquote starters, like but not actual starters, maybe who knows? By the time they come out for the Eagles, you would think in these preseason games that the Eagles have like. Literally zero corners mm-hmm. rostered, right? Because it, it's it's so bad in the depth in that area. And man, did they need people to come back from injury. I don't know how you felt about how they played, but I don't think there are any answers there. Uh, the secondary guys, I'm not sure how the safeties played. I have to kind of check that out when I when I watch the rewatch. But any thoughts on winners on the defense, maybe in the secondary? You can kind of take it where you want to from there, because I know you usually write the winners and losers column for BGN,
0: right? Which I have not even begun. So I thought I had you know 12 <laughs> minutes of the fourth quarter left to do it, and then we started recording this and the game ended uh which is great i wanted to stay up late right that column yeah. um <laughs> you know what i think will happen
1: i don't know that's why i want you to tell me
0: eagles are gonna roster Jalen mills roster ronald darby Cindy jones rasul douglas avante maddox craven leblanc lord Niskandrick, whatever da, 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 da. you don't want like is there a reason to practice squad jeremiah mckinnon josh hawkins no there's no. No, nothing here uh, a jenny harris sojourn shelton the rutgers kid whatever right Chandon Sullivan, the Georgia State kid from 2018, who, you know, they had to actually have play for a little bit, but they practice squatted him initially. He ended up moving to Green Bay. He's probably getting caught because Green Bay's added multiple corners since then. Mm. I would not be shocked if they bring Chandon Sullivan right back onto the practice squad if they can. Yeah. Right. They have, they have to... They have to wait until Green Bay does. But I would imagine...
1: He's not good, but I feel like they would feel better right, about him than but these he's,
0: other guys. He, I, I, I didn't like his film coming out. I didn't like his fit in Philadelphia. But Jiminy Christmas, he's better than Jeremiah McKenna. This is, <laughs> right, this is what I'm saying. I'm like, and they, 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 yeah. they brought him in as a UDFA last year. So we know they like him. My main point here being, I wouldn't be shocked if, you know, the Eagles... So the Eagles keep, keep six corners. They keep seven corners. Whatever. If and when they practice squad a guy, it's not one of these fellas. Because I think they've seen right. enough... From Josh Hawkins and Jeremiah McKinnon, like you said, to know that, you know, we, we can look elsewhere and give you guys a chance somewhere else. Maybe it's just, you know, hold on to Sojourn, Shelton, and Shell. Like, they've got good corner depth. We haven't seen a lot of them because a lot of them are rehabbing and whatnot, but they have good corner depth. You know, they're fine. It's not like these are important positions. Just talking about building out the practice squad. Speaking of unimportant positions and building out the practice squad, Eagles trade Bruce Hector for Rudy yep. Ford. Uh, He was a 2018 sixth round pick, I want to say, out of Virginia. Uh, for, for the arizona cardinals is safety why trade bruce hector because you currently have players in hassan ridgeway trevon hester and finally a person who's just hive i have randomly ended up in kevin wilkins who draft, undrafted the free agent out of rutgers who keeps playing well yeah. uh the eagles are i think defensive tackle might be the best position deepest position
1: just single it's deep, position? It's the deepest with quality depth with it's, guys that can come in. You get to, like, five and six deep?
0: It's probably offensive tackle. It probably goes offensive tackle, defensive mm-hmm. tackle, and then wide mm-hmm. receiver in terms of just, like, the full strength of everybody on the depth chart, right? Like yeah. When we got to 53, it'll probably be, like, tight end because, like, two of the three guys will be, like, top <laughs> 12 players in the league it's, at their position. It's a smaller group. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. But, like, defensive tackle with Fletch, Malik Jackson, Timmy Jernigan, and then, let's say, you keep five, probably Ridgeway and Hester – man i mean hester who like i wasn't the biggest fan of him you know when they first signed him he's improved steadily ridgeway looks like a great acquisition for the seventh round pick that they sent for him seventh sixth whatever it was pointless move whatever it's like ridgeway like he's he's consistently uh disruptive wilkins i like i don't know when they put the third string team in but I can always find out because some there's just a huge dude with dreadlocks who's as wide as a door frame, just yeah, pff, right in the middle of the backfield. I'm like, oh, it's the 13 defense that Kevin Wilkins is playing consistently. His pass rush ability, not there. <laughs> he pushes the peak of the pocket. That's it. But in terms of yeah. getting off the ball and presenting and filling gaps against the run, he's really sound right now. So I weirdly like Kevin Wilkins. This defensive tackle room is really good. It's it's, it's it's very deep and very strong, so you should be excited.
1: Yeah, they've definitely been very good throughout the preseason, and we're going to continue covering the Eagles' preseason moves. We're getting closer and closer to roster cutdowns. Of course, we'll have tons of content here at BGN for you. Ben, I think that's going to do it for the recap of the Eagles-Ravens' exciting, erotic preseason action. Would you say goodbye to the gentle, gentle listeners?
0: I have bad news, and I have good news, and I have more good news, and then I have... Uh, more good
1: news. Okay. So <laughs> bad look, news. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you this. If you got engaged again and you talk about your mic again first. No, no,
0: <laughs> Michael, we don't talk about that. <laughs> bad news. The upcoming Eagles game is the fourth preseason game, which will likely a- include exclusively Cody Kessler and Clayton Thorson, mm. uh, as well as no players who will have significant playing time in 2019, the regular season. Bad news. Good news. That is the last week of the preseason, subsequent to which the regular season will begin September eighth against the Washington Redskins. Opening seventy five yard touchdown pass from Car- Carson Wentz to Sean Jackson. It's gonna Saturday. be beautiful. Dustin. Further, further good news. There's real, actual football that matters on Saturday. Mm. It is between. Florida Gators and Miami Hurricanes and the Arizona Wildcats and the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors. Cole McDonald. Yes, go. The only if TV. you don't like college football, that's fine, but this is real football with a score that counts, with records that matter. I haven't seen it before, and the teams are actually trying to win, and I could not be more thrilled. And finally... Wait,
1: with zero context, I just want to say Cole McDonald literally put up 12 million points in the Hawaii Spring Game. Go back. Yes,
0: absolutely. You can look it up. That's true. That's a fact. Anyway... <laughs> and the final piece of good news is that you were just listening to the kiss and soul live show here on bgn radio we do appreciate you swinging by as always if you enjoyed this show mike so pissed if you enjoyed this show go ahead rate review and subscribe on whatever app you listen to your podcast but let's be honest it's only itunes that counts i you leave a five-star rating i'll probably read it screenshot it send it to mike we'll laugh about it a little bit send it to john and blg blg will make a joke about me it'll be a good time we'll have fun uh, I've been Benjamin Solak it's on true. Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-E-K. I've been Michael Kist on Twitter at Michael F L, That's K-I-S-T. I'm sure other things are happening on this podcast network in the next week. Just, you know, subscribe so that you don't miss them. Yeah.
1: Goodbye. We might have big things coming. You never know. We all we got. We all we need. Fly Eagles Fly.
0: We